0: The Giles Files is sponsored by BetterHelp, affordable, professional online therapy from any device, text, chat, and video. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with a BetterHelp therapist. And here's a special offer for Giles Files listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Files. That's betterhelp.com slash gilesfiles. And thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. It's the Giles Files Season 3. More Bafo shows, that's a guarantee. Nancy Giles and producer Nancy Wyatt... We got opinions. We ain't keeping quiet on the Giles Files season three. Yes.
1: This is Chris Phillips and you're listening to the Giles Files, baby. It's all real. It's all here. And so are you. Now (laughs) dig it. (laughs)
0: He is an actor, a rock and roller, a composer, a comedian, a director, and one of the most versatile voiceover artists in the business. I mean, I do voiceovers, and I've done them for years, and I've known the fabulous Chris Phillips for years, and the first time I called to leave him a message, um, you remember Answering Machines, how it used to be, the outgoing message was this smooth jazz radio DJ, and I was pretty impressed. I was like, Chris, how did you get the smooth jazz radio DJ to do your outgoing message? You know, Chris can't come to the phone right now. And then I realized it was Chris. It was his voice. And I know him. He is that good. He does voices for cereals like Cocoa Puffs and Count Chocula, games like Grand Theft Auto Part 3, and shows like Doug and Beavis and Butthead. And millions of kids grew up listening to Chris. Here is his story about how desperation landed him the role of his most iconic character, Nickelodeon's face.
1: That was just like a regular audition I went to. The two things I remember was, one, I was sitting down, and they, you don't normally sit down for anything like that. And uh, the script, they wrote doo-dee-doo in there. This is face, I'll see you later, doo doo And I guess people were just saying doo doo For some reason, I went and did a little trumpet thing but that helped. And I, I ended up getting a callback and uh, I w- went to Nickelodeon and I was at the end of a big board table in a big boardroom and uh, oh they unwrapped a tape recorder, put it in the middle, had me read a few scripts and there'd be people on this side and people on that side, either side of the table. And I would do a read and the left side would go, we love it. That's great. And the right side would go, mm, what else you got? And I do something. Then that right side would go, that's the one. And the left side would go, well, what else you got? And then they went, starting to wrap up the tape recording go okay well i i think we've got enough and we've we've heard and i could just see the gig going away and i went well uh, what about this voice instead of doing this it was more like hi there you know and it's face so that's you know it was a quick modification and i mean it was the skin of the teeth voice really
0: hi there face here
1: do you know what my favorite thing about taking a bath is here's a hint Bubbles! Bubbles, bubbles, bubbles. I love bubbles! Bubble baths make you nice and clean and make you look great! (laughs) Don't forget to take
0: your bath, and I'll see you right here on Nick Jr!
1: (laughs) You know, they brought back face, actually.
0: Oh! Uh, Is it you? No. Oh, hell! Why?
1: I sort of try to think of it as like, well, at least I did something that was good enough for them to want to bring back, you know, they've, uh, they've made it more of a contemporary kind of a thing and it's faces a dance party. I think it is. And, um, <laughs> he's, they haven't given him a body, but they've ch- just changed the look of the face and uh, it's much more frenetic and crazy and things are happening. It does sound like a young guy doing it. And uh, he's, mm-hmm he does the, but in his own way, he's like, or something he says, you know, I think that's what he does because I'm not on. I'm like,
0: it stinks. But, I, know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. That's how I feel. I have to just tell you my nieces and nephews who are all in their like late twenties, early thirties, they loved face. I can see my little niece, Amelia going, it's face. You know, oh. turning around, but they like there was something so loving and sweet about that character, and so there's a whole bunch of kids you helped grow up. You know, I,
1: I know, and I remember being at a, a session doing, I think, like PB and J or something, and there was a uh, little girl at the session. She was there with her uh, sister, who was a little baby, and her grandmother, and the girl was asking me about face, and I did a little, <laughs> and the baby woke right up, and when I. And I couldn't believe it. They were big face watchers and the baby didn't even speak English yet. They didn't speak anything but baby. And uh, (laughs) for that recognition, I mean, that just that I got that kind of reaction a lot. I would work with kids because I, you know, all the children's the serial stuff. And I do a lot of kids stuff for some reason, Mm -hmm. but uh, because I'm a kid at heart, I guess. But uh, (laughs) but I remember one time there was a father and his little son. And uh, we were talking about Face, and I did a little, hi there, it's Face. And the little boy just ran right by me looking for the TV set. You
0: know? Oh, <laughs> gosh.
1: That's the one job I would have done for nothing, which I can say now because I'm not doing it anymore. But uh,
0: <laughs> that
1: I, it was so rewarding.
0: Hi, Face
1: here, and here's a song about my vegetable garden. <clears throat> There are many vegetables in my garden. Red, yellow, and green. I water them to make them grow. They're the most beautiful vegetables I've ever seen. That's my vegetable garden song. Can you make up a song about something you like? Now stay tuned for more of
0: Nick Jr. It affected a lot of young kids. Just like. Voices affected us when we were a kid. Now, um, I read up on something that really cracked me up about the Flintstones. And you, you had a like a a tumultuous moment with the Flintstones when a change was made, right? Right. Talk about that.
1: Well, I remember the the original voice, Fred's voice, uh,
0: Alan Reed.
1: Alan Reed. And I would see Alan Reed every now and then on like a Dick Van Dyke episode as an auctioneer or something. And suddenly it'd be, you'd turn away from the TV and you go, "Hey, there's Fred Flintstone." turn back and go it must be that guy you know it was crazy and he kind of looked like Fred but um but all of a sudden newer Flintstones were coming out and it wasn't Alan Reed and to me it was glaringly obvious and I no 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 that's wrong I mean I would get upset if there was a theme song of a tv show and on the second season they would change it
0: like no no the original was much better you've screwed it up as a kid, I remember watching Breakfast at Tiffany's and when she's going to visit the guy in jail and tell him the weather report, it's Fred Flint, it's Alan Reed. Mm. But I didn't know it. And the voice that came out of this guy's face, <laughs> I was like, I was suddenly like, what? Wait, wait, you know, it's like blah." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so you know, funny. They
0: cha- I thought they had. They changed, changed the- Barney's though, but but it worked. They had one Barney in the first year and a different. But that was all Mel. They changed Blank, the voice I think, doing it. Oh, um, I was going to ask it.
1: it. It was Mel Blanc that did Barney, and I think he went from uh, like uh, kind of a hey Fred, kind of a thing like that, to a hey Fred, <laughs> you know, kind of a voice. But I believe it was all Mel. And if you see the, um, if you ever see the flagstones, which is the pilot, it's a very quick little thing. Barney is some other guy. And he talks like this. He sounds like he's had a, a few drinks before the session. <laughs> and uh, it's like, okay, Fred, I'll get that for you. Like, wow, wow, what's going uh. on? It would have been kind of cool to keep them like that, actually. They have
0: Barney always carrying like a little, you know, yeah. Stone Age cocktail glass, <laughs> right? A right. <you> know? cooler. <laughs> a cooler. Yeah, yeah. I remember because it was always on after school, and I remember one of my older siblings said, "You know, well, that used to be a nighttime show. You know, we could." Oh yeah. That was it. Was on. It was a prime time television show when I wasn't old enough to stay up to watch it. So years yeah. later, I thought, wow, I'm watching something very sophisticated when I'm watching the Flintstones. <laughs> well, if you see the, the
1: old original beginning, uh, it was brought to you by Winston. And oh. would, Fred would be driving home from work, pick up his dry cleaning, go home, turn on the TV and pop open the plaque of Winston's and light up. Uh,
0: Winston tastes good, like a cigarette should. Fred was a smoker. You're telling they me Fred are. Smokes.
1: Everybody they in Bedrock smokes
0: Wednesdays.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was like that with Popeye. Oh, yeah, at really? First yeah. it, at first it was very like... Right. and it was like what is <laughs> this well yeah jack
1: mercer i that name i remember but he did the original uh popeye and he did go into that you know but gosh there was a lot of that kind of thing the scratchy you know blow me down that's an odd voice you know they say language is used more for talking than any other uh don't you think
0: how did you get interested in voiceovers to start with? Did it have something to do with your grandfather and a tape recorder?
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, my grandfather was very into media and the arts. And I mean, he took me to my first Broadway show. He gave me my first camera, my first movie camera, my first tape recorder. And um, I would go over to, to my grandparents' place and he'd take out an old reel-to-reel and I'd he'd give me a mic and I would, you know, write to it. And uh, this is Chris Phillips live from Radio City. You know. <laughs> And uh, when I got a tape recorder, I would do radio shows at home uh, on a snow day. I'd drag my younger sister in and we would do I'd interview her. She'd you know, be different characters or vice versa. And and that was a, a blast. And uh, when the movie camera came in, I was doing that kind of stuff. But uh, but I used to I would get a couple of friends over and we would take old ghost stories that that we knew because as kids, you knew more ghost stories. I don't know if kids know ghost stories like they used to. But we would take old ghost stories and turn them into like a radio play. And I had a lot of sound effect records. I was an odd kid, I guess, that had sound effect records and background music or the score of a show or something or whatever. And I'd use that, you know, and put things together. I still have some of those old reel-to-reels. And uh,
0: That was early, early TikTok.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, You know?
0: No, I used to do that, too. I would record The Avengers and i would play i would learn emma peel's lines and play them back over and over <laughs> and real. over again where is it where's what the body the body hmm. the corpus delecti why oh, i'm not particular it could be stabbed strangled riddled with bullets mutilated beyond recognition
1: you're quite right until we find a body
0: we've nothing to investigate
1: we're defunct
0: obsolete
1: those are great.
0: Steed. Huh? Oh, yeah. Steed. Yeah. I yeah. Use, when, they changed, Steed. When, when Diana
1: Rigg left, I was heartbroken. I loved her. And uh,
0: it was um, over God. for me. It wasn't the same. Chris, were you approached about doing voiceover work, or was that something specifically that you pursued?
1: You know, it's funny. I started out uh, as an actor, and uh, that's what my goal was. I, I always love to do uh, audio stuff. One of my best friends, a guy named Eddie Brill, we were at Emerson College and there was really no comedy there at all. So we got together and we started something called the Comedy Workshop and it became the Emerson Comedy Workshop and it's still there to this day. And now oh, comedy great. is part of the curriculum. A lot of celebrities have come out of that or come to speak at it. So we would do live shows and uh, there'd be a sketch and then we'd, we'd have to black out to change the set. So, Eddie and I recorded audio bits. So, when they would black out to keep the audience interested, you'd hear an audio bit. And those really got kind of popular. And we loved doing them. We had a blast in the studio. And I was a huge fan uh, of a comedy group called the Firesign Theater. I listened to a lot of radio, Stan Freeberg and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I was really in, into that kind of thing. So, I was in a movie called Beach House. <laughs> It's a beach movie. It's terrible. It should have been called outhouse, but, you know, it's a musical. I sing in it. I act in it. It's just like, kind of like Frankie and Annette kind of thing. But there's a lot of drinking going on in it, uh, which Frankie and Annette didn't do. And um, I ended up doing some radio spots for it. And the producer that we worked with, this is a long story. I'm realizing the producer um, liked, you know, working with us and uh, he was doing like books on tape for uh, kids. And I did that, and I met a couple other people, and I ended up working at uh, the studio Nutmeg back then and meeting uh, Bob Sorrentino, an engineer mm-hmm. there, and people mm-hmm. who I've been friends with since then forever. Sure. But that's what got me into voiceovers, really.
0: I want to have some of my deliciously spooky Count Chocula cereal.
1: You silly old fellows don't know that it's booberry that is the best.
0: Count Chocula!
1: Booberry. All right, you two lawbreakers are under arrest.
0: When you see a
1: very big ape, disguise yourself as a very big banana. This is not a real banana. This is a man in a banana suit. Darwin, don't you have some mopping to do? Out, out, and stay out. Come on, Gooch. Big tough guy like you can't be scared of these little old thumbs. When I first started, and for the longest time, there was more character voice driven you know, from like, uh, hey, this kind of thing, or yeah, big, deep voice or something, you know? <laughs> uh, and now it's a little more of your own voice or just slightly character-y. It's, uh, there's more, a little more emphasis on the acting.
0: You're uh, right. And my theory of that is because they are using way more celebrities who don't right. really have the voiceover skills. So what they're selling is the celebrity in this animated character.
1: Yeah. And I guess that kind of read has kind of caught on. Because even the non-celebrities, it, sometimes it sounds like they just got somebody from the staff to do a voice or whatever, but, you
0: know, oh, yeah. not to yeah. crack yeah.
1: on anybody or any, Is I guess it's that important to have a name uh, attached, like commercials are the same way, uh, you know, so many commercials have gone non-union, but a lot of celebrities are doing them, and when we got started, celebrities really weren't doing them, you know. no. But- but that seems sort of like the way things are going they want regular sounding voices and yeah, yeah i don't know it's it's a shame because uh you know i was raised on all that the character voices and uh, and it's a lot more fun
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and uh when i i my agent had asked me to do to kind of stick around my own voice my own range and uh, i was my first thought was i i don't do me i don't know how to <laughs> do myself i haven't done that for forever you know And now, back to Asbestos asbestos in
0: Obstetrics. Damn it, this pisses me off. If we don't see some boobs or some explosions or some poop, (laughs) that'd be cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or, uh, like some butts. You did Beavis and Butthead? Yeah. Who was that? It was various
1: characters. I I would be, uh, like, um, a recruiting officer or the host of a teen talk show, Mm -hmm. Dick Jackman, you know. (laughs) And, uh, various voices in it uh when they would turn the channels on tv i was like sergeant carter and uh gomer Pyle, or i was uh saint peter in an episode
0: and uh
1: you know just a, a lot of that yeah and yeah.
0: that was great TV I'm TV back here with more and also uh tv fun house snl
1: yeah i did a few of those actually that was great i got to work with robert Smigel, and he was mm-hmm. a great guy and mm-hmm. uh we had a lot of laughs together and I did a lot of voices that were kind of harkening back to the odd character, characters that you'd recognize in a Hanna-Barbera. I, I was in one that was the most violent, I think of all of them. It was like takeoff of the cartoon Shazam, called Shazang. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, ah, I've got the ruby of something or other and you can't get me now.
0: <laughs> At last,
1: the flaming ruby of
0: Taraba is mine. Looks like that time, Nancy. Shazang!
1: So Shazang gets this guy, he, he burns him, crushes him up, he eats him, he takes a dump, and then <laughs> uses him as his fertilizer. It's it just, it's really out there. But uh, but they run that a lot. I still get residual checks for it. But uh, you know, it's just kind of cool.
0: One last thing, Our bridesmaids.
1: I wasn't in that. You know, there are certain credits that have my name in them on IMDB and all. If you look in the credits, there's no Chris Phillips in the actual credits of some of these things, which is...
0: How odd. odd. It was that? a movie
1: To Die For that had... Uh, Matt Dillon was in it.
0: Well, uh, Nicole Kidman, Did I For? Yeah. That one? Yeah.
1: I believe that's that one. And uh, I got a credit in that. And I remember commenting on it to... I know Matt. And I made a comment to him. He said, I don't remember you being in that. And I said, <laughs> no, me neither. Do you get any
0: of those residual checks for the, you know, mysterious Chris Phillips that we don't know who it is?
1: I don't even get the ones I'm supposed to get. Oh, <laughs> I'm hip, man. <laughs>
0: It, Isn't that the saddest thing when you get the envelope and it looks like, and you know it's a check and yeah. you open it up and it's less than the postage? That really oh, hurts. I,
1: I, have, I have gotten a check uh, for one cent, which was originally two cents, but they took the tax out. I've gotten ones for nothing, for zero. I
0: have two for zero. Yeah.
1: Really? You took <laughs> the tax out? You, rat-
0: oh, you piece of <laughs> <Yeah>. governmental cheese.
1: <Jeez. laughs> that- yeah. <laughs>
0: How many times do people come up to you and say, people have said that I have a great voice and I should go into voiceovers? For somebody who thinks it's it's so easy that you can just do it, like, what's the more difficult part of this work? Can you talk about the complexities and the skill behind it?
1: A lot of times people would ask me, what do you do for a living? And I'd say I do voiceovers and they have no idea what that was. Now people know (laughs) what it is. So I'd say, well, the first thing you need to do is get uh, a reel. Together. So, and I would actually give them real advice. Uh, I wouldn't just brush them off. I'd say, go to a bookstore and look for the Ross Reports, which is a little book that they would sell like at the Shakespeare's bookshop or something, by, you know. Drama bookstore. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you could see the producers or casting agents or whoever. And they would even tell you, we don't take tapes, make a phone call for an appointment or drop your tape off here at, the, at our office, whatever. So, Get that and get back to me if you can put a tape together or if you have any questions. But people never got back to me (laughs) after that, so it turned out to be this is the greatest thing to just tell them everything and and I was actually doing them a service, but uh, they didn't you know follow through. But you do need a skill. I watched so much TV as a kid and made tapes and stuff as well that I was already giving myself a lot of training without even realizing that I was doing Mm -hmm. that. And then when I started in the business, um, I listened. To the other actors I was working with and I'd hear a guy's voice and what he was doing and hey that's a good you know I'll do that or something or but uh, but yeah there is a skill and now as I say the skills have changed a bit in animation but uh commercial wise uh you know it is what it is yeah um,
0: what I was going to say about how you handle people that want to study is same thing on my end and and as I start to say you know well you might want to like start listening to things on the radio or listening to TV commercials and whatnot. You right. can see people's eyes glaze over totally, at the idea yeah. of having to actually do some work, you yeah. know, to make it happen. Like, And I would say, if what? you want to make
1: a tape, just take a magazine copy and read that.
0: Right, right. You know,
1: and they, uh, oh, you
0: know. yeah, no. Yeah. Okay, thanks. And listen to yourself because when I listen to this podcast, I sound like my cousin Barbara. I don't sound like me. <laughs>
1: How did Barbara get my gig?
0: I know. And <laughs> and I don't like my speech pattern. I think uh, I'm saying going. And I've been saying gonna. I, know, I mean, right? you, you, you hear things that you don't even you know do. about yourself. Oh,
1: I, that happens to me. And I get corrected at, at sessions and all. Uh, when I, I was doing this cartoon, Doug, I say rather more than rather for some reason. And then I would watch old TV shows. And, and a lot of those, the people in the old shows would say rather. So I guess mm-hmm. I grew up on that. And. So uh, there was a character, uh, uh, Roger Klotz, that was, and he, he had a voice like this, hey, funny. <laughs> so I'd say, well, I'd rather, I'd rather do that. And the director had said, Chris, I, you know, you have wonderful upbringing, but I think Roger would say rather as opposed to rather. And I didn't even realize
0: I had done that. And little things know- like, you know,
1: room or room, room, room. You know, I sometimes say room.
0: One of my wow. big ones is, ta instead of two. I'd like to you know I have to go I have oh, to right, really yeah. like make sure to go
1: to I had a session really early on in my career when I had to speak sort of softly or whatever and say something about clothes and I was at my clothes and the director said hey, can you pronounce the th more in clothes and it was kind of foreign for me and I felt like I was clothes and it was <laughs> odd so I kind of had to practice clothes 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 Pronounce
0: the T H and clo clothes. That doesn't make sense. But I'm gonna work on that. I just did it. I'm going to work on There's nothing wrong with saying Ghana. It's all right. I mean you know I'm gonna work on
1: it. No, I say Ghana a lot too, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: I don't feel so bad.
1: Folks, I'd like to sing a song about the American dream. About me, about you. Uh, I'm just a regular Joe
0: with a regular job. I'm your average white suburbanite slob. I like football. And- it was at Emerson that you met Dennis football. Leary, correct?
1: Exactly. Yeah, and Dennis came back and ended up uh, teaching comedy there.
0: Ooh, so after he no graduated, they,
1: he's, they started a comedy class there. So I guess that's part of the curriculum now.
0: So. And you directed his big first like breakout show no cure for cancer is that correct
1: we developed a one-man show and we uh, got together and that was no cure for cancer and we played the edinburgh festival and won an award actually it was a best of the fest kind of award thing and it was great and we had a song we had written a song for it actually i we started writing a song we were ad-libbing a song and i started playing these chord changes and I don't know. I was singing about the echo. There's an echo, and Dennis said something, and I said, "Well, because you're an asshole, you're an asshole." We laughed about it, and then wrote a verse, and uh, decided let's do this for the the show in uh, in Edinburgh. Yeah, 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 yeah. The night before the show, we uh, go up to this little room with a promoter and we're so excited about this song. We think this is brilliant. The whole world is going to be singing it. We can picture the video, (laughs) everybody in bars singing the soul song, you know, and all that. But uh, we play for him. What do you think? He goes, oh, don't do that song. Whatever you do, you do that song, death. Don't do it. And we were crestfallen. We just, you know, it was it was a real bummer. So we thought now, well, now how are we going to open the show? We used to do a bit, a uh, bagpipe bit, where two guys would be up there, one guy would, we'd both hold our noses, and one guy would go ah, all the way through, and the other guy would go ah, while the droning ah, is going on, and we'd end up going ah, at the end. And it was effective, and it was cute and funny, and we thought, oh, this'll go over big in Edinburgh, because it's bagpipe country, right? Crickets, it died. I've never bombed on stage before or since, and that, oh, it tanked. And it was just like, okay, well, anyway, welcome to the show. (laughs) Oh, snap. We had two shows that night, and we were backstage, and said, okay, second show, we're starting off with the asshole song. And we came out, screw screw the promoter. We came out, we did it, and the reception was great. It was like we played the national anthem. People went nuts for it, right off the bat. Sometimes I park in handicapped spaces while
0: that one platinum Is yes it
1: did platinum? actually yeah we got a, a gold record um certified gold and i guess that's oh. canada and it went platinum in australia
0: hey you did a video as well right
1: that's right but, you look uh, good as a priest thank you very much in fact we kept that we did a, an unplugged for mtv oh. which was unbelievable we just had one record and a few so we had songs that we hadn't released yet that we had written. And uh, we were asked to do an unplug.
0: Ooh. We did ours the night wow. after
1: Rod Stewart did his unplug. Wow. And we were in the audience for that. And uh, it was cool because we didn't have actual seats. We were standing over on the the back. It was much cooler. And mm-hmm. he went through all these songs that I'd grown up on. And, you know, you get a little misty and just like, oh, that's one. All of a sudden I started thinking that tomorrow night we're going to be up there doing the asshole song. I started feeling <laughs> sick to my stomach. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. Dennis thought it'd be funny if I stayed dressed as the priest. So, uh, but the black funny. was very slimming. So it actually worked.
0: <laughs> 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 Are you still working with Dennis Leary? Are still writing songs or in a band?
1: We uh, still, we only play, uh, cause he's doing his own thing. You know, he was in uh, one of the um, law and orders, crimes and, organized
0: and, crime. Or oh, one of called. those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Organized crime. Yeah. And, uh, and he's great in it. Otherwise every year uh, around the holidays, we do two benefits. We do uh, the Michael J. Fox benefit, which is always great. And it's celebrity studded. And mm-hmm. that's always cool. And we've been able to play with a couple of celebrities because of that. you know. Right after that, like a week later, we'll go off to Boston and do something called Comics Come Home, which uh, benefits the Neely Foundation. Cam Neely, uh, an ex-Boston Bruin, started something like a Ronald McDonald house for so kids with cancer and their parents have a place to stay. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've raised millions and millions of dollars and put up a lot of houses. And it's just, it's been wonderful. And it's just, it's really rewarding to do that. Some fun things that I've done with Dennis, aside from just music, uh, the Rolling Stones were about to do a tour and they were opening up uh, the tour in Washington, D.C. And they wanted Dennis to do something for Fox where he would, uh, I guess, talk to one of the Stones or just be there at the event. And do little inserts, like they would cut away at a commercial break. And, hey, I'm Dennis Leary, and I'm here at the uh, Kennedy Stadium. And the Stones are getting ready to go on. They weren't allowed to really film the Stones doing anything. A little bit of the opening number, I think, but that was it. And um, so Dennis asked me to go out there to write with him. He said, you can write bits and whatnot. I said, can I put any of the Stones in any of the bits? He said, I may. I think so. Why not? So I I wrote something in there for Mick and uh, Mick Jagger and Dennis to do. They sent it to the Stones. Mick gave it approval. The next thing I know, we're out there, and they're setting up this bit that I wrote. It's a, It was a concession stand bit. Uh, it, it, was, it was a huge thrill. Afterwards, at the after party, uh, all the Stones were hanging out, and uh, another friend of mine was there, and he said, look, they're over there. You got to talk to them. You got to go over there. I'm like, right, what am I going to say? And So he said, look, Ron Wood's all by himself, and hands on my back, pushing me over, and I'm like, hi, Ron, how are you? And we start chatting and I tell him, that you know, I do stuff with Dennis and I had written this song, The Asshole Song. he went, oh, I love that song. And he just lit right up and he's like, hey, Keith, this is Chris. He wrote The Asshole Song. And I turn around and I'm face to face with Keith Richards. Oh. And the first thing he says to me was, I'm an asshole, I'm an asshole. Oh, oh my God. And I'm flashing on me as a kid with a tennis racket and the mirror to satisfaction. That was one of the first things I played on the guitar when I was a kid, picking out that lick. And uh, suddenly he's singing my song back to me. I'm an
0: asshole and I'm proud of it. Sometimes we'll throw flash questions at people where they can answer right away and then explain why. Donald Duck or Daffy Duck?
1: Daffy Duck. The reason is because he's nuts. He's out of his mind. And he's... (laughs) He's like, has a license to be an asshole. And he's just, he's, he's very funny. Donald Duck is, is family funny. Davy Duck is just, you know, he's a lot more edgier. And you're uh, despicable.
0: I know. I know. It's I just, mean, I don't he, know. He, it's the greatest. He gets his poor bill shot off by Bugs Bunny and is able to snap it back in place.
1: Hello, when I'm home, I listen to podcasts. And my favorite podcast is Nansky and Nansky. The Giles Files. They're terrific, Ski. Dig it.
0: Well, that's our show. Thanks to our sponsor, BetterHelp. Join the 2 million plus people who've taken charge of their mental health with a BetterHelp therapist. And don't forget, as a special offer to Giles Files listeners, you'll get 10% off of your first month if you use the code betterhelp.com/gilesfiles. That's better slash Giles l p.com/gilesfiles. And a big thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the Giles Files. Also, big, big thanks to the voiceover genius that is Chris Phillips. Oh my gosh, we had so much fun with him. Um, Go to Google, YouTube, and IMDb, and check out Chris's hundreds of credits. And hey, whenever the spirit moves you, join in on a chorus of his famous anthem, I'm an A-hole. Yeah, singing makes you feel good. The Giles Files was created by Nancy Giles and Nancy Wyatt produced, directed, and edited by Nancy Wyatt and recorded at our studios in Weehawken, New Jersey. Be sure to check out The Giles Files on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And hey, write us a review. Tell us what you think. We want to hear from you. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Giles Files. Okay? Oops.
1: (laughs) Ahura Media Production.